The Moonlit Road by Ambrose Bierce, performed by Stephen Taylor. I am the only son of Joel and Julia Hetman. The one was a, a well-to-do country gentleman, but the other, the other was a, a brilliant and accomplished woman to whom he was attached with what I now know to have been a jealous and exacting devotion. At the time of the dreadful event, I was 19, a student at university. One day, I received a telegram from my father of such urgency that in compliance with its unexplained demands, I left immediately for home. A distant relative awaited to apprise me of the reason for my recall at the train station. My mother had been barbarously murdered. Why and by who, nobody knew. But the circumstances were these. My father had gone to the city, intending to return the following afternoon. Something prevented his accomplishing the business at hand, so he returned home the very same evening, arriving just before the dawn. In his statement before the coroner, he explained that having no latch key and not caring to disturb the sleeping servants, he had, with no clearly defined intention, gone round to the rear of the house. As he turned an angle on the building, he heard a sound as of a door gently opening and closing and, and saw in the darkness distinctly the figure of a man, which instantly disappeared among the trees of the lawn. A hasty pursuit and brief search of the grounds in the belief that this trespasser was someone secretly visiting a servant, proving fruitless. My father entered at the unlocked door and climbed the stairs to my mother's chamber. Its door was open, and stepping into black darkness, he fell headlong over some heavy object on the floor. If I may spare myself the details, it was my poor mother, dead of strangulation. Nothing had been taken from the house. The servants had heard no sounds, and excepting those terrible finger marks upon the poor woman's throat. Dear God, that I might one day forget them. No trace of the murderer was ever found. I gave up my studies and returned to live with my father, who naturally was greatly changed. Always of a sedate, taciturn disposition, he now fell into so deep a dejection that nothing could rouse him, yet anything, a, a footfall, the sudden closing of a door had aroused in him a, a fitful interest. I suppose he is what is called a, a nervous wreck. One night, my father and I walked home from the city. The moon was about three hours above the eastern horizon. Black shadows of bordering trees lay athwart the road, which in the spaces in between gleamed this ghostly white. 
As we approached the front of our dwelling, which, which was in darkness and in which no light shone, my father suddenly stopped and clutched my arm, saying hardly above his breath, God, God, what is that? I hear nothing, I said. No, no, but see, see, he said, pointing along the illuminated roadway. Father, nothing is there. Come, let us go inside. You're unwell. He had released my arm and was standing rigid and motionless in the center of the road. His face in the moonlight showed a, a pallor and fixerity indescribably distressing. Presently, he began to retreat back step by step, never for an instant taking his eyes off what he saw or thought he saw. I do not recall any sudden feelings of fear unless a sudden chill was its physical manifestation. I felt as if an icy wind had touched my cheek and then enfolded my body from head to foot. When I turned to look for my father, well, he was gone. And in all these years that have passed, not a whisper of his whereabouts have come across the borderland of conjecture from the realm of the unknown. My name is Joel Hetman. You know, I seem once to have lived near a great city, a prosperous country gentleman, married, married to a woman whom I loved and distrusted. We had, it sometimes seems, one child. But he is a vague figure, never clearly drawn, frequently altogether out of the picture. One luckless evening, it occurred to me to test my wife's fidelity in a, in a vulgar, commonplace manner. I told my wife that I would be going to the city and returning the following afternoon, but I returned home the very same evening purposing to enter via a door with which I had so secretly tampered that it would seem to lock, yet not actually fasten. As I turned an angle on the building, I, I heard it open and close and saw the figure of a man steal away into the darkness. With murder in my heart, I sprang after him. But he had disappeared without even the bad luck of identification. Sometimes now I, I cannot even convince myself that it was a human being. But blind and bestial, with all the insulted elemental passions of manhood in me, I entered at the unlocked door and climbed the stairs to my wife's chamber. I easily entered, and despite the black darkness, 
soon stood by the side of her bed. My groping hands told me that although disarranged, it was unoccupied. She is below, I thought, and terrified by my entrance, has evaded me in the darkness of the hall. With the purposes of seeking her out, I turned to leave the room, but took a wrong direction and no, no, the right direction. My knee struck her, cowering in a corner of the room. Instantly, my hands were at her throat, stifling the scream. My knees were upon her struggling body, and there, in the darkness, without even a word of accusation or reproach, I... I strangled her. until she died. And there ends my dream. No. No, there is another dream. I stand on a moonlit road. I am aware of another's presence, but whose I, I cannot rightly determine. In the shadow of a great dwelling, I catch the gleam of white garments. A figure confronts me in the center of the roadway. My murdered wife. There is death in the face. The finger marks are upon the throat before this terrible apparition. I retreat in horror. And then I wake, and all is blank. And the rain beats down on the grimy window panes, while the snow falls on my scant attire, and the wheels rattle in the squalid streets where this life lies in poverty and mean employment. If there was ever Sunshine, I cannot recall it. And if there are birds, they do not sing. I had retired early and fallen almost immediately into a peaceful sleep from which I awoke with an indefinable sense of peril. My husband, Joel Hetman, was away from home. The servants slept in another part of the house, but these were familiar conditions. They had never before distressed me. Nevertheless, the strange fear grew so insupportable that, conquering my reluctance to move, I sat up. and lit a candle by my bedside. Contrary to my hopes, this did not ease my fear, but seemed rather an added danger, for I reflected that the light would shine out beneath the door, exposing my presence to whatever evil thing lurked outside. 
extinguishing the candle, I, I pulled the bedclothes about my head and must have laid trembling for what you would call hours. And then at last, it came. A soft, irregular footfall on the stairs, as of something that did not clearly see its way to my disordered reasoning, all the more terrifying. Oh, terror. We know this well. We who have passed into this realm of terror. But no, no, I did not die of fright. The thing went away. I heard it go back down the stairs. Hurriedly, I thought, as if itself in sudden fear. I rose to call for help, but no sooner had my hand touched the doorknob when... Oh, merciful heaven! I heard the thing returning. Its footfalls were loud. They shook the house. I, I fled to an angle of the wall and crouched upon the floor. I, I, I tried to pray. I tried to call the name of my dear husband. It, and I fe felt my hands feebly grasping at something which bore me back, felt my tongue thrusting between my teeth, and then... And then I passed into this life. No. No, I have no idea of what it was. Some of what we know in life is the same in death. One night, I had searched unsuccessfully for my husband and son. They were nowhere about the house nor about the moonlit dawn. Suddenly, I heard the voice of my dear husband in recognition and, and astonishment with, with that of my son in reassurance and dissuasion. And, and there, there by a group of trees, they stood near the eyes of the elder man's were fixed on mine. He, he saw, he saw the, the death spell was broken. Love had conquered law. No, no, no. His face went white with fear. His, his eyes were those of a hunted animal. He turned and, and fled into the woods. Where it is not given for me to know. my poor boy left doubly desolate. I have never been able to impart a sense of my presence to him. Soon he too will pass into this life and be lost to me forever. Oh God, what a thing it is be a ghost. The Moonlit Road was written by Ambrose Bierce, performed by Stephen Taylor. This has been a production of The Exchange.